Tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, no, finish your tweet. It's not, that's fine. Just give us a second. There you go. Hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Coming to you live from Radio Row at the Uniontown Mall. It is the Crowley Show. We despise actual Radio Row. In fact, we despise actual sports radio. We like to have fun. We like to not take ourselves all that seriously. And here's one of the guys who does take himself seriously. Here's a list of tweets about Kirk Cousins from Colin Cowherd if you go back to 2014. I'm reading these chronologically, so bear with me here. It's hilarious. First, September 21st, 2014. Kirk Cousins. All the completions and none of the drama. Then, there needs to be a new term created to describe Alex Smith. Frankly, game manager is too dynamic for him. Then, Kirk Cousins is fool's gold, Colin Cowherd says. Dumb teams hand franchise money to non-franchise quarterbacks. Next, Could the Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith be underrated? Colin Cowherd looks at the numbers. Next, Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback. Retweet if you agree with Colin Cowherd. Next, having Alex Smith as your quarterback is like going to Vegas with only $100. And finally, Colin Cowherd argues that the Browns and 49ers should be throwing their picks at the Redskins to get Kirk Cousins. Oh my God, there's more! Colin Cowherd won't fall for Alex Smith again. Then, Colin Cowherd believes Washington made the right decision to pay Kirk Cousins the big bucks in a small serving. Then, Alex Smith traded from Kansas City to Washington tonight. NFC East is no joke. And finally, Alex Smith is an upgraded quarterback for the Washington Redskins. My God, that guy covers all his bases. He was wrong and correct on each of them multiple times. I suppose you could argue that maybe Colin Cowherd doesn't take himself that seriously because that's laughable. See, for me, when I say something about someone and then they prove me wrong, I laugh about it. I'm not in the being right business. I'm in the, eh, I'm going to give you my opinion business. And sometimes the opinion's wrong. But what you won't find is that I'll flip-flop 15 freaking times about the same dude. And let's be real, Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith are the same dude. In fact, has anybody ever seen them in the same place at the same time? I don't think so. 412-922-2874. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic going to join us in 18 minutes here on the Crowley Show to break down the Penguins and their hot ways. Winners of 9 of 12 and 8 of 10. At 6, I get my belly button pierced. At least that's what I think. Brian went to the hospital today because they found stuff in his test yesterday. So... Because of that, he's not here. But he's the one who's been talking to the person who's going to pierce me, and now he's not replying to my text asking who's going to pierce me and when. So I believe it's six. I'm getting pierced. If not, it'll definitely happen tomorrow. This is not my fault. Braden always tweets me and says, Dude, you don't follow through. This is not my fault. We've lost our best Brian. But I anticipate I'm getting pierced coming up in 57 minutes. It's time now for the five-minute major. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know. 
and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. First, it's awesome that Marc-Andre Fleur would record that for us. And second, Tom, right on top of things there. First day, and he hits the 5-Minute Major perfectly. Nice. Thought there were a couple of clunky drops in the first segment. That's not on you. That's on me. I need to give space for those drops to be dropped. But you did just kill the nice there, and you got the whistle. Things going okay for Tom. I'm thinking sometime next week after we get out of all this Super Bowl madness, we have a producer Olympics. We tell Tom what he needs to find. We'll see if he finds it on time. Maybe we compare him to Joe's times. As it is the five-minute major, Matt Murray was the best player on the ice last night in the face of what is just unbelievably difficult. We've all dealt with loss in our lives. And it's terrible. It's the worst. And Matt Murray, in the face of all that, played as well as he could. The shot volume, too high. Penguins' defense was not excellent in this game. In fact, in the second period, I thought San Jose carried the play. But when you've got a goaltender who has the abilities of a Matt Murray, you don't always need to play your best for 60 minutes, as he's shown in the playoffs the last couple of years. If Matt Murray can be that guy... If Matt Murray can look like the Matt Murray of the last two cup runs, then the Penguins have an opportunity to win their third straight cup. They have the opportunity to not be perfect, and the reality is they're not. They don't have a great third-line center. They're not as deep as they've been the last two years, certainly not what they were two years ago. But a good goaltender, like a good quarterback in the NFL, is an eraser. I talk about it all the time with Tom Brady. This is why I think Brady is the straw that stirs the drink and not Bill Belichick. A good quarterback can make up for a lot of flaws that other people might make. A good goalie, same thing. Think about Montreal a couple of years ago, what they had with Carey Price. That guy, big racer. Think about Henrik Lundqvist when the Rangers stunk and he was dragging their asses to the playoffs. He was a big eraser. Matt Murray can be that guy. Matt Murray looked about as good as he's looked all season long last night. Good stuff, Matt Murray. Whistle it up, baby! He didn't do it. No whistle. Joe would have put the whistle. You were answering the phone. I don't see a caller. There we go. Brian Rust, that guy's been missed. His addition lengthens the lineup. It gives the Penguins depth. It makes their fourth line formidable. Makes me realize just how dumb the Ryan Reeves trade was, even though I knew that at the beginning. It makes you realize even more so now how dumb it was. The Penguins, yeah, they went with star power. But on the nights where the star power is not there, you need somebody to step up. And Ryan Reeves ain't that guy. And when he's on your fourth line, he anchors that fourth line in the negative sense. Brian Rust, that guy's a stud. He's been Mr. Game, Mr. Elimination That's what I call Mr. Game, Mr. Elimination. He's been that good in elimination games. He's been really good since he's come back. He adds speed to the lineup. He adds depth to the lineup. And last night he added two goals. The best moment in last night's game was when Brian Rust missed the empty net. Bro, why are you shooting so high? You just got to hit the middle of the net. His quote after the game was great, saying he was a team player and he was waiting to set up Evgeny Malkin. Whistle it up, baby. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna point. That, that, that's basically how it goes. I'm just gonna point, and we're gonna whistle it up. Sidney Crosby to go back to that empty netter is the best. He had an empty net shot 
at goal number 400 in his career. Tom's staring at me like a hawk right now, waiting for the whistle sign. And yet, Sidney Crosby, oh, damn it! He had an empty net shot at 400, and yet he passed to two players in order to set up hat-trick attempts for them. That dude's unselfish as all get out. And a story came out today in the PG detailing Crosby when he was back home during the Penguins' bye week. Saw a 19-year-old kid skating around on an outdoor rink and went out there and did drills with him for an hour and a half. That dude's awesome. I love me some Sidney Crosby. Unfortunately, in that same story, it was revealed that Sidney Crosby has a girlfriend and they were skating around her boots. And I am now upset to know that Sidney Crosby and I will never be together. <laughs> Penguins are now four points back of Washington in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, but Washington's got games in hand. Yeah, well, guess what? Washington likes to choke like dogs. And now the Penguins are right there in the rearview mirror. They're in sole possession of second place in the Metro. Why the bleep did people panic the way that they did? I told you the Penguins were going to find their game. I told you they were going to get bleeped together. And now they have. <laughs> Penguins have won 9 of 12. They've won 8 of 10. Their superstars are as hot as any players in hockey. Evgeny Malkin, since December 1st, has more points than any player in hockey. That guy is three goals off the league lead in goals. What the hell? When did this happen? He scored 12 goals in December. He's been on fire in January. The Penguins are back. Sidney Crosby's got three goals and 18 assists. The guy's got 20 points in his last 10 games. And then there's Phil Kessel. Yeah, he might not be the best player in the world right now at 5-on-5 five five play. I think that largely has to do with the third-line center he's playing with. But the dude's scoring at an unbelievable pace. And this just in, Phil Kessel, four points off the league lead in scoring. We need some sort of music, I think. I know we're at the Steamtown Mall. We're doing our show from my own personal radio row. But I should have told you to put music underneath the five-minute major. It's my bad. I miss Joe. I do. I miss him. Tom's just effing everything up. Tom worked stand show today as well, so he's burnout. There's a burnout factor going on, and I'm the one who gets effed. This guy. Tom. Crosby got even yesterday with Carlson, who's a D-bag. Carlson tried and succeeded in slew-footing Sidney Crosby, and Crosby said, F that! I'm going to get penalized. I don't care. And he took that bastard out. He got penalized. He was in the box. And it was a roughing call. Whatever. Sidney Crosby can't allow himself to get beat up in a regular season game. If it's the playoffs, Sid, don't retaliate. Allow that to be a penalty. And then you score on the power play, which is at a league-leading 27%. But since it's the regular season, if you F with Sid, Sid's going to F back because he can't just stand there and take it. I've always been the kind of guy who said, if I had a kid and my kid's getting bullied, I'm going to tell my kid to punch the bully in the mouth. Even though both kids are probably going to get suspended, you then teach the bully never to do that BS again. Sidney Crosby, punch the bully in the damn mouth. And that's what he did. And it's Carlson, so... He's not that big of a bully, anyhow. 
if the Penguins don't win the Cup, it's not a disappointment. They've won back-to-back Cups. Mike Sullivan's never lost a series in the playoffs as the Penguins head coach. They're 8-0 thus far in his tenure at beating people in the playoffs. So I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to say they fell short. I'm not going to say that they didn't live up to expectations. It's tough to win it twice in a row. It's really stinking hard to win it three times in a row. That being said, I believe that they can. And I kind of have faith that they will. Is that ridiculous? The Penguins have risen to the challenge in each of the last two seasons. Why can't they now? The Penguins on December 12th in 2016 weren't in a playoff spot. This year, the Penguins haven't been playing good hockey. They put it together. As I mentioned, they've now won 8. Well, they had won 8 of 11. They've now won 9 of 12. Why would I bet against the Penguins? No team in the East is dominant. Tampa and Boston are really good. Boston just had an 18-game point streak snap. But who would I bet on to beat Pittsburgh? Again, if I am coming off as if I'm sending mixed messages, don't take it that way. If they don't win the Cup, I'm cool with it. They just won two in a row. Teams don't win three in a row. They just don't. Not in today's day and age. But I think they've got more than a puncher's chance. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm getting this criticism right now. Hearing that the whistle's weak. We gotta get a manly whistle up in there. Tom, can you whistle? You can't whistle. Oh, for the love of God. Ed tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Forgive a non-hockey fan's ignorance. Is Russ the defensive goon type y'all traded for with St. Louis in the offseason? No. First of all, Ryan Reeves is not a good defensive player, so just because he's a goon doesn't mean he's good defensively. Brian Rust is a great two-way player, but he's not a goon. He's one of the best two-way forwards on the roster for my money. He's also got a lot of speed. He's not afraid to take the puck to the net. I would, I would be surprised if there are five more players in the National Hockey League who are his size and are willing to go to the net the way he does. No, Brian Rust helps elongate the Penguins lineup. Brian Rust helps give the Penguins four scoring lines. Brian Rust a hell of a lot better and a hell of a lot more useful than a guy like Ryan Reeves. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic to give his take on why the Penguins are taking off. Oh, that was sexy. It's the Crowley Show. Nope. Proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. Everyone and their mother is up in Minneapolis at the Mall of America Food Court at Radio Row. Well, we are at the Parkway Center Mall in the food court because that's how we do things on the Crowley Show. It is our own personal Radio Row, and joining me now is our friend from The Athletic. He is Jesse Marshall. Jesse, how are you today? I'm doing well, Adam. Good, buddy. Malkin's underrated, yes. I mean, this guy keeps putting up monster numbers year after year after year, and I just don't feel like he gets the respect he deserves. It's a fair argument. I think the fact that, uh, and I know that they broke the whole stupid top 100 NHL players of all time down by decades, but the fact that he wasn't included in that is, like, absurd to me. 
Fourteenth, uh, I think, in the NHL all-time in points per game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, unless that's changed drastically over the last month, it might have. But that's where he was. So top 20 uh, player of all time in points per game. Uh, his hat trick last night uh, moves him into second all-time in the Penguins uh, for hat trick performances. Uh, this is his ninth 25-goal season uh, that he's having, uh, which is also good for fifth on the Penguins uh, all-time. So, yeah, to answer your question, yeah. He's underrated even a little bit in Pittsburgh, even just a little bit. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you think about the storylines that people are talking about right now. I know I'm talking about Phil Kessel for Art Ross. That's the train I'm driving. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Phil Kessel, Sidney Crosby. He just, for whatever reason, just flies by the wayside. But I, I think teams or fans, I guess I would say, around the country are, are getting a rude awakening right now from this sort of uh, Malkin cheat mode tour that he's on because he's just this, – this line of, of Hagelin, Kessel, and Hornquist you know, for as good as Sid and the kids was last year, Adam, this line is just basically destroying every record that they set last season. So uh, I think by uh, no question it's the hottest line the Penguins have right now. Well, let's stick with that then, Jesse, because it's interesting to me because Hagelin hadn't been playing very well, and Hornquist is a really good player, but I never really would have loved to see him with Malkin. And they're all together, and they're having a lot of success. Is it because Malkin is clearly the guy on that line? He's the guy who's going to shoot the puck? What makes that line go? I think that's it, Adam. I think that both Patrick Hornquist and Carl Hagelin are what I would refer to as space creators. When they get in there on the forecheck, you know, the defense, when, when you're a defenseman in the National Hockey League and you can feel that forecheck on you, you're making panic plays. We saw it last night. That's, that's how Malkin scored most of those goals. Uh, panic plays from defensemen, panic plays even from the goaltender uh, that felt that pressure that those two guys provide. Uh, and it gets him open. And I'm not going to say that – I don't think there's any evidence, I should say, to suggest that Malkin was deferring to Phil Kessel, right? Malkin's shot totals really didn't fluctuate all that much playing with Kessel. I think it's just him being the man, uh, having two other guys that are out there only to create space for him. Uh, and when you give him that space, he's proven throughout the course of his career that he's going to make you pay for it. And that's what's happening right now. Uh, and I think last night's game was perfect evidence of that. We had talked at length earlier on in the year about the Penguins' shot percentage numbers being awful, or shooting percentage numbers just being terrible. Uh, they appear to be rounding into form, yes? Yeah, absolutely. They're coming back to earth. Uh, and it was only a matter of time. I mean, the frustrating part about that, Adam, is you can look at a team and you can unequivocally say this team is shooting well below where they should be, right? But it's hard to quantify. There, maybe sometimes there is no why. That's just a rule of thumb with hockey, and this is a sport that ebbs and flows. Uh, you know, the Penguins last year in the playoffs, everything they touched turned to gold. They couldn't do anything wrong. Their shooting percentage was outrageous. And then at the beginning of this year, it regressed into the whatever is below the basement, into the bomb shelter, uh, and it was absolutely horrific. And it was, they were doing everything else well. So while they were, you know, having that poor shooting percentage, Adam, they were still generating a ton of scoring chances. They were still generating a ton of shots. The puck just wasn't going in the net. And I know people don't want to hear that. People don't want to accept that as an answer. But that's the nature of the game sometimes. Uh, players go through those streaks. Teams go through those streaks. That's the reality of hockey. The Penguins' results are starting to normalize. And that's really bad news for everybody else. Jesse Marshall, great stuff there from The Athletic. Joining me here on The Crowley Show. Jesse, Kessel is now four points back of the scoring lead, which is awesome for so many different reasons if he doesn't 
tick up a little bit more in five-on-five scoring? Is it going to be difficult for him to get there? Uh, That's the one thing. I just want to see him put it in a little bit more five-on-five. That's a fair point. I think there's definitely room for a better five-on-five performance. But the Penguins' penalty kill, Adam, is just so good. It shouldn't be this good. Uh, It's almost mind-blowing. Um, you know, Mike Sullivan was asked about it the other day, and he quipped that, uh, you know, I don't, he doesn't know how other teams game plan for the Penguins power play because he doesn't even know what they're doing half the time. So I, I think he could do it just based on the power play alone. Mm. That's how good it's been. Right? 27% in today's day and age, that's nothing to scoff at. I think there's still more there for them. That unit is just clicking as well as it's ever clicked. Uh, so I, I think at the end of the day, though, to your point, he does have to find it at even strength. Absolutely. Absolutely has to find it. To make it a reality, that has to happen. Uh, but he's going to stay in the hunt as long as he keeps putting up these sports in the power play. Um, I am I am personally 100% here for the Phil Kessel Hart Rock <laughs> celebration. That is my brand. Uh, but but I, you're right. I think he does have to start potting him a little bit more at evens to make it a reality. A couple of cups and an Art Ross trophy for the guy who couldn't get it done because he was munching down hot dogs in Toronto. Not bad. Jesse Marshall joining me here on the Crowley Show. When it comes to the power play, Phil Kessel was kind of known as a guy coming in who might not be the best on the power play. And this year, I mean, my God, he's the reason for me, uh, the the main reason why they are where they are. Uh, Everything sort of flows through him on that half wall. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. And here's what's fun about this. So, A, I know personally for me, I did not have a good enough appreciation for how good of a puck distributor Phil Kessel was when he came to Pittsburgh. I think that's something we all was an oversight by everybody. Uh, I was not prepared for that part of it. So if you add that in with the fact that they're putting him on that half wall, and they're not just putting him on the half wall, Adam. You have to look at where he's at on the half wall. I mean, I wouldn't even really call it the yeah. half wall because he's so deep in the offensive zone. And when I say deep, I mean more towards the blue line. They're starting him from up high. They're getting a puck on his stick, and then they're letting him walk it into the slot. That, for me, is the killer in all this is that anytime you can get a player like Phil Kessel the puck with time to walk it and skate it into a scoring area, that's what makes it lethal. Because now you've got the goaltender moving, you've got him taking time and space to stare that goaltender down, his flex on his stick makes his shot completely unpredictable, and you've established a screen. You throw all those elements together. Honestly, good luck finding a goaltender that's going to save the majority of those shots. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So I think giving him the space to walk in it is what really differentiates. You think about the other, like James Neal, for example, the, the, you know, the old quote-unquote trigger man of the Penguins, they put him right in the middle of the slot. Yeah. So they're trying to feed pucks into the middle of the ice. you got to send them through legs, sticks, the whole nine yards, easy opportunities for de- deflecting those passes. Where they're putting Phil now, it's a lot harder to defend. You can't just sit somebody on him that takes the guy completely out of the play. And, and you kind of have to pick your poison when it comes to defending this power play. And, and you know, it, it's become a handful for every team at this point. There's always an ebb and flow with power plays and penalty kills. Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're cold. I know that at home they showed the graphic last night that the Penguins didn't get off to a great start on the power play, something that I had forgotten. I mean, they've really been consistent for the most part all season long. Yes, there hasn't really been a time where they have fallen off, has there? There hasn't, and, and traditionally for them, there has been. Now, unfortunately, Adam, traditionally for them, it's been in April and May. That's when their power plays start to 
in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's not to say they weren't getting any power play goals, but you think back to the National Series last year. Uh, that power play was dried up for the first three, I think three, four games of that series. They were on a long run of not scoring. So you kind of hope that they can keep this thing going. I mean, they, they started out slow out of the gate in terms of their save percentage and their shooting percentage, and those things are kind of starting to come back to normal. you got to wonder if there's going to be a drop-off on this power play. I mean, we haven't really seen any evidence to suggest that, but those things can also come out of nowhere. I, I think if it stays as hot as it is now, Adam, I, good luck. Uh, you know, the way this team plays and as fast as they are, their game is drawing penalties. That's what it is. That's what they're good at. That's what that four-check does. Uh, that's what their puck possession does. It puts other teams in the box. Uh, you know, sometimes on those longer shifts, you have to resort to holding and hooking penalties to, to be able to prevent scoring chances. So that's their game. They're going to get the chances. Uh, they have been getting the chances. And if it keeps up, I, I, I don't know how you game plan against a power play like this. Jesse Marshall joining me here on the Crowley Show. Jesse, if Phil Kessel is going to pick up the 5-on-5 five five scoring a little bit, does a third-line center who's not Riley Shane, is that the, the thing that would help push it over the top? Because I've actually been impressed with Shane, and hey, if they want him to be the fourth-line center, I'm okay with that, but I don't think he's been as bad as people think he's been on the third line. No, no, I don't, he hasn't been at all. In fact, a lot of his optics, as far as metric or metrics are concerned, Adam, are better than Nick Benino's last year. So he's outperforming Nick Benino in a lot of areas. I, I think people forget that there was a point last year where Nick Benino was invisible for a really long stretch of time, up, leading up to the playoffs. So I think Shan's been great. Uh, I think if you could bring in a guy like a J.P. Peugeot or, you know, God forbid, even an Eric Stahl, when you think about that, I mean, I'm not saying that that's a rumor, but if the Penguins could bring in someone of that ilk, a guy that is proven at being able to distribute the puck and boast those kind of offensive numbers. You know, the thing about a J.P. Peugeot is he's not really that good defensively at all. Uh, but my goodness, when you put him on a line with, with, with other people, he instantly makes their offensive numbers better. Uh, and, and that fits the Penguins' brand. It really does. I mean, at this point, the Penguins aren't trying to mask themselves as this super defensive juggernaut. They paid defense by proxy of playing offense. So a guy like that would fit. And I think if you give a Phil Kessel a talented puck distributor like that, that's certainly going to help him. I, I don't know that even when you think about his game with Evgeny Malkin, I don't know that there's really ever been a time the Penguins have played him with like a true puck distributor. And somebody who can get him the puck cross ice. Uh, for those those one-time and, and quick-shot opportunities. I mean, imagine what he could do with that. Is Broussard a guy who would fit? He is. He is. But that's a lot harder to pull off. Yes. Uh, and that's a salary issue. And now you're talking about having to sacrifice pieces, important pieces, to get something back, which creates more holes. So that, that, that's, that's one I've got my eye on, too, uh, is Derek Broussard. But that's, one I think, one that's going to be a harder ask for Jim Rutherford at the end of the day. Everyone keeps waiting for the trade deadline, and everyone's been saying, well, you know, I'm 26, they're going to have a new third-line center. I'm waiting for Jim Rutherford to do what Jim Rutherford always does, and he's going to grab someone in the middle of the night, put a bag over their head, and all of a sudden they're going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. Like, I'm waiting any moment now. I'm waiting for uh, a a trade to be made to bring that third-line center in. But you know what, Adam, all joking aside, that's exactly what Jim Rutherford does. Right. Uh, And you look at the major deals that he's made, obviously the Kessel deal made in the offseason, uh, but he doesn't operate as a trade deadline guy. He's a guy that swoops in, you know, a week or two beforehand, makes his deal, and then the Penguins are done. That's it. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen again. I, and I don't think 
that Jim Rutherford's going to wait for that perfect deal to, to come around. And I think actually, honestly, Adam, the way the climate is in the NHL right now, I think the closer you get to the trade deadline, the less likely you are to get that kind of deal. Um, market's insane. The asking prices are insane. You look at some of the contracts that have been handed out in the NHL recently. They're wild. So um, I, I, for that reason alone, I, I think the longer you go, the less likely you are probably to find that deal. And I do think that it's going to work out just like you said. I think Jeremy is going to swoop in when everyone least expects it, make a deal no one talks about, and that's going to be the end of it. Last thing here for you, Jesse. It's tough to project how things are going to wind up, of course, over the next couple of months. But you got your pulse on the league as much as you do here in Pittsburgh. How real of a shot does this team, now playing like they are, have to be able to win the Stanley Cup for the third year in a row? So caveat playing like this, right? I think sure. you just look at the results over the course of the last 12 games, or they're 9-3, and three, or 2018 as a whole, really. Um, yes, to answer your question, yes. I mean, they've, they've been as good as anybody over the course of the last 12 games. And no two ways about it. I mean, even Vegas, who's almost on you know, I mean, Vegas last night, you know, they're down a goal to the Flames. They scored two goals in, what was it, 10 seconds? They're the insane. I mean, that, is, yeah, that is the best story in sports right now. Without question. Um, Shout out to those people that bought uh, Vegas to win the cup ticket at like something, what is it, probably 5,000 <laughs> to one odds or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, they can't. They're 100%. And Tampa's good. There's rumors today that Tampa's looking to add Eric Carlson. And my God, if that happens, that would be just an absolute nightmare uh, of a team to deal with. And Boston's been great. Uh, but Boston, during this win streak, Adam, has actually not been playing very well. They're actually getting a lot of luck. Their luck is coming right now when they're playing poorly. So I don't know how we actually judge them. Uh, and the Western Conference is, you know, with Winnipeg and Vegas, there's so many unknowns there. Yes, to answer your question, they, they add that one piece at them. They find that one third-line center. And I think all of a sudden now, this is a team that you have to look at if they can maintain this pace as the favorite to come out of the Eastern, the Eastern Conference. Love it, Jesse. Really appreciate the time, man, as always. Thanks, Adam. There he goes, Jesse Marshall from The Athletic. That guy's great. He really is. He's just great. He's just fabulous. He's so good. Tom's in the other room. He's all jammed up. I'm getting my belly button pierced in 25 minutes. Unless we can't find Brian. And then I'm going to start wondering if he's run away now with the woman who's supposed to pierce me. I texted Brian earlier and was worried about him. What's going on, man? He said, yeah, it might be a blood clot. I don't know. Not feeling great. He's okay because they were looking at him in the hospital. And I said, man, you really got to quit smoking. And he replied within two seconds, F that, dude. I got to quit blood clots. Up next, my buddy Wes Euler. He works for Entercom in Philadelphia. He's going to tell everyone a little about how fat I was in college and how despite the fact that I'm getting my belly button pierced, I've made it a long way. It's a Crowley Show. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just... Tickles my ball. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. I'd like to be sympathetic of what Brian LaMartina is going through right now. But transparency being the number one virtue of the Crowley show, I feel like I got to speak my mind. We don't know who's piercing me. We know they're supposed to be here at 6, and we've lost Brian. So I don't know if it's happening. If it does happen, we'll have it on Facebook Live. KDO's here. Tom's here. 
Joe's dead to me because he took the job with the DV Morning Show. But we are live at the Mall of Robinson. The Mall at Robinson. It is the Crowley Radio Row. My buddy from Intercom, Wes Euler, works at WIP in Philadelphia, joins me now. What's up, Wes? Uh, what's going on, Mr. Crowley? You know, I, I have an uh, exclusive agreement with the Ross Park Mall, so this might be a problem. This is going to be an issue. What? Why did you get so good at radio, by the way? Where's this wit coming from? Uh, you must have missed that while you were uh, too busy uh, wearing your medium suits on the set of WVU News, huh? Okay, this is a very good segue. You must have been listening earlier. God, you're so good at radio. How chunky was I in college, Wes? Because while I do not have the six-pack, and that's the reason that I'm getting pierced, I think, coming up in 17 minutes, I still have progressed rather well. I am no longer the chunky kid that I used to be. Well, you know what's funny is, uh, listen, I wasn't necessarily in great shape in college. You look hot. But looking back on it, I wouldn't have thought that either one of us were, you know, overweight or chubby or whatever you want to call it. But I did see that picture that popped up. Was it it Marissa who tagged everybody in that picture the other day on Facebook? Yeah, one of the uh, anchors for WVU News, for those of you out there who don't know Marissa. Maybe you're not as good at this radio thing as you think you are, Wes. Yeah, and, and well, I, I didn't figure that that was a, a big, that was a minute detail of this. Yeah, but anyway, people need I to know. Picture, the picture of you from our senior year of college, and I was a little surprised because, like I said, looking back on it, I wouldn't have said, no, Adam wasn't, like, chubby, but yeah, you kind of were a little bit. I was. I didn't know at the time. I, I had no idea. And then I tried <laughs> on one of those schmedium suits for my wedding, and I was swimming in the damn thing. I mean, that's what happened. You stop drinking beer every single day, and you tend to lose a little bit of weight. But I think I've made great strides, and I think that I'm sexy. I think that you're sexy. I just might not have all the good, but why do I really need a six-pack anyhow? Yeah, exactly. I've heard anyways having your belly button pierced is way better than having abs anyways. So. Damn it. I'm wrong here. Wes Euler joining me here, Sports Radio WIEP in Philadelphia. Enough about my physique, and now moving on to the Super Bowl. How dumb is Super Bowl week? Because I hate it. It sucks. Yeah, it it does suck. I guess it would be fun to be there, but other than that, it's the whole dog and pony show of of sports, right? That isn't really, there's no substance to it. It's just kind of everybody's there just waiting for the game to happen on Sunday. Yeah, and everything gets blown out of proportion. Everything. Like, Tom Brady, this kid thing, I don't care if somebody insulted Brady's kid. They slapped him on the wrist. Enough. It's not a fireball offense. Just move on. I don't care. Enough. I don't care if Juju Smith-Schuster takes a picture flipping off the camera with a Pats fan. Like, this stuff doesn't bother me. It's just all blown completely out of proportion, Wesley. Well, well, you like entertainment. That's an important thing to remember. But I do feel like I'd be interested to see if you agree with me on this. Don't you feel like these, this last week and this week have been quiet, though, relatively compared to normal lead-up to Super Bowls? Like, there hasn't been much trash talk between the two teams. I, I really thought that there would be more. But like you said, people are talking about Juju and holding up a middle finger to a, a Patriots jersey. If, if, if that's making headlines the week before a Super Bowl, this is a pretty quiet week, relatively, isn't it? Yeah, I long for the days where Joey Porter was calling Jeremy Stevens a bitch. Like, that stuff exactly. was awesome. And, and yeah, the Marshawn Lynch show every day there for two years. I just I feel like this has been a relatively quiet lead up to the Super Bowl, especially because I don't know if you saw this. Like the first 
NFL. Like, Monday, right after Championship Sunday, Lane Johnson called Tom Brady a pretty boy. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a fun two weeks. But that was, like, the biggest shot anybody's taken. And since that was just the day after, it kind of got swept under the rug. And it's, like I said, relatively quiet to, compared to what I thought it would be. I can't even deny that either, though. I mean, Brady is a pretty boy. I mean, that's not even that's, that's not even that bad of trash talk. That's fairly it's, benign. It's not. And if it's it's, not, it takes one to know one. Well, I am beautiful now that I've lost all the college weight. Uh, Wes Euler joining me here on the Crowley Show, Sports Radio WIP. Uh, he also works for the Eagles broadcast. So I would imagine that you have a busy weekend coming your way, uh, dealing with everything, having to deal with the Eagles broadcast. Oh, absolutely. I'll be with uh, your good friend Howard Eskin all Saturday morning. Oh, that prick. And then, uh, and then, it'll, and then it'll be a long day Sunday, of course. Um, and I already told Morgan, uh, that's my wife, Morgan, for those of you listening at home, that uh, if the Eagles win, don't expect me to be home until the wee hours of the morning. So it, it could be a really long day Sunday, and in which case I'd have a lot of good stories. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you shared this with the audience, uh, people listening. I'm actually from Pittsburgh, so I am a Pittsburgh sports fan. Um, I want the Eagles to win this game, but I think it'll be cool to kind of be working the Super Bowl, working the broadcast, and be here in the city and just kind of be able to take it all in from a, from a neutral perspective or really not having a horse in the race, if you will. Wes Euler joining me here on the Crowley Show. Did you see the fight earlier today on Radio Row? Yeah, and you know that guy Josh Ennis, you pronounced his name wrong, by the way, Ennis, he actually used to work for my current employer, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Uh, I know Josh uh, very briefly after I got hired. He seems like a little uh, bitch. He was let go. He was fired um, from the station that I currently work for uh, just, I think, maybe about a month and a half after I was How hired. old is that guy? He is mid-30s. Behaving like a child at Radio Row. Although I guess that's what everybody's doing down there, right? I mean, just it's a dog and pony show. Everyone's pulling out their junk and putting it on the table. Mine's bigger than yours. Yours is bigger than mine. I did not like the way that guy came off. The Inus no. or Innis or whatever the hell. Yeah, Josh, Josh Ennis, and, and he uh, burned a lot of bridges here in Philadelphia, as I'm sure that that little clip Scorch would probably... Him. Get him! Would, yeah, would probably lead you to uh, to believe he, he doesn't necessarily always, uh, I guess you could say, care about his reputation, or maybe he wants that to be his reputation, that he uh, just doesn't care. But I guess I think I'm going to excuse those two fine gentlemen, though, just because... It's a Super Bowl in Minnesota. You're all crammed into a mall <laughs> in a food court. I mean, what did you expect? People have to be in a bad mood. It was like negative seven degrees there with the wind chill today. So I'm sure people are just on their last nerves. And so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll give everybody the benefit of doubt on this one. Yeah, I'm not going to. Uh, last couple of things here from my buddy Wes Euler, WIP in Philadelphia. Wes, who you got in this game? You, you, you got the Eagles? I know you want the Eagles to win for a number of different reasons, but do you think they can actually pull this thing off? Uh, I was feeling pretty confident in the Eagles, and I still think they can pull it off, but I don't know if you've heard this. It's been floated around a lot here in Philadelphia today. Uh, the Patriots, in the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick era, when they have played faced a team in the postseason that they did not face in the regular season, 15-0. Oh, no. 15-0. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I heard that this morning, and it blew my mind. I was like, that can't be right. 15-0 when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick faced a team in the playoffs that they did not face in the regular season, which I guess is just the only way you can look at that as a hell of a testament to those guys and how hard it is to prepare for them the first time you're seeing them in a season. But with that said, I do think 
the Eagles have a lot of the elements or, or keys that you would want to say of things that it does take to beat the Patriots. It, it all starts with that pass rush. We know that's how the Giants defeated the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. It was that defensive line that can get pressure on Brady without necessarily having to blitz every single play. The Eagles were number one in the NFL in time of possession, which has also been a huge way to beat the Patriots. So I do think they've definitely got a, a puncher's chance, a fighter's chance, if you will. I know the lines continue to move down and down. I think as people really look at the matchup and see that the Eagles are a pretty darn good football team, especially, like I said, that defensive line. That defensive line has seven or eight guys that can really play. And so if they can get full comfortable early and do all the small things you have to do to beat the Patriots, like not turn the ball over, like don't make mistakes on special teams, I absolutely think the Eagles can win. But if you put a gun to my head and made me choose or made me put real money on it, that 15-0 stat, you'd be foolish not to bet against it or to go against the Patriots until they prove you wrong. I do always love those kinds of stats, though, because the Patriots are good against everyone. Now, it's not 100% success rate against everyone, but they tend to have pretty gaudy numbers no matter who they're playing, how many times they've played them. But that is certainly a good stat. Wes, I did not expect you to come prepared. Like, I did not know you were going to be dropping Philadelphia Eagles knowledge on me, so thanks for doing that. One final thing. If you were on Radio Row and you had to fight somebody there, who are you fighting? Oh, man. Uh, first names that popped in my head real quick. Always got to go with government. Mike Milbury was the first face. Oh, yeah. Imagine punching his face. He'd shove a uh, shoe Mike- up your ass. Mike Milbury. How about Clay Travis would be a good one? That's a good one, too. I'd help you with that um, guy. Oh, what about oh, your your uh, your good friend in Boston, Joe Haggerty, would also be a great one. Yeah, Joe Haggerty's an ass. I'll tell you what, Travis scares me a little bit because I think he'd pull out a gun. Yeah, that guy's definitely packing. Big Second Amendment are there. Yeah, but in, in this scenario, that wasn't part of it. It was just whoever I got the challenge to a... A kerfuffle, right? Well, I'm just trying to be realistic here, Wes. But fine, you can you can set your parameters however you want. No, let's start with Mike Milbury. I like, that was the first name that popped into my mind. And you know, when you were in school, they used to always tell you if you're taking a test, stick with the first, you know, your gut instinct. So I'll go with Mike Milbury. All right, what do you say we talk tomorrow? You want to do it again tomorrow? Let's do it again tomorrow. Hey, I'm here if you need me, baby. Let's do it, baby. Goodbye. Thank you. That's my lover, Wes Euler from College Sports Radio, WIEP in Philadelphia. Do we have the piercing lady? Is she here? Send Katie in the room. Katie, come in here. Get on a microphone because I'm upset. Because I want this thing. To, I want it to happen. I, I I did this for the radio show, and now we got Brian. What are you dying on us? Like what the hell, Katie? If this were to happen, coming up in seven minutes, how much pain should I expect to be in? Because Tom said he was talking to a girl, Miranda, who we just hired, who said it's going to be one of the more painful things I've ever experienced. Um, on the record, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah! Accurate. Yeah! It is the second least painful piercing you can have. Yeah! Well, how do you know? Because I looked it up for you, my friend. That's friendship right there. That's friendship right there. And that's a smackdown of someone who we just hired to work at a radio station. Miranda doesn't know what she's talking about. Kind of a a D-bag move there. Sorry, hot takes only. Hot takes only. Coming up next... I'm really sorry. Like, I think I'm getting my belly button pierced, and it'll be awesome if it happens. It's going to happen at some point this week, but I can't find Brian, and Brian is the contact with this woman. I'm going to have to send Tom outside to see if she's downstairs just mulling around. <sighs> Part of me hopes she is because, of course, it's the radio show, but 
part of me hopes that she doesn't poke a hole in my only belly button. It's a Crowley show.